Welcome to the Neanderthals Destroyed Atlantis Podcast. Cast. 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 Hello, welcome to the Neanderthals Destroyed Atlantis Podcast. This is the first episode. And in the future, I'll be reviewing comic books, movies, books, visual art, and music. I hope to post a new podcast every other week. And for this first episode, I will be reviewing the movie Upgrade. Upgrade was written and directed by Lee 1L, and it was released in June 2018. Upgrade is an excellent science fiction action movie that I was lucky enough to see during the few days it played at the mall. It doesn't have a happy ending, and it makes it clear that surrendering ourselves to technology will eventually result in bad things. It also turns the classic revenge plot on its head. In the world of Upgrade, people live in controlled environments that are micromanaged by virtual assistants. They control every detail of the living environment, including driving, temperature and lighting, food preparation, etc. Drones are ubiquitous to the point that almost every outdoor activity is monitored. The plot revolves around an artificial intelligence named STEM that figures out a way to take over a human being by manipulating a world that has given control of day-to-day life to technology. Naming the malevolent AI STEM, which leads all of the characters in the movie to their eventual doom, might be an ironic choice on the writer-director's part. STEM, S-T-E-M, is a 21st century classroom curriculum which stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics and is meant to help students prepare for the future. As a curriculum, it treats technology in particular as a benign thing. So having the bad guy in the movie be a computer who wants to take over a human being in order to do what can only be assumed to be bad things, um, especially considering how much death and suffering it is responsible for by the end of the movie, um, is ironic. The naming of it. Our heedless rush forward with technological advancement, including artificial intelligence and surveillance and the relinquishment of all of our private data to the amoral private sector, is brought to light dramatically by showing us how sadistic and monomaniacal the revenge plot is at its core. Instead of inviting us to guiltlessly enjoy the violence carried out by the protagonist to give way to our sadistic impulses while justifying them on flimsy grounds, we watch as the protagonist looks on with expressions of horror and disgust as his body, while being controlled by the AI, commits graphic acts of killing and torture. There are no clever one-liners. There is no sense of finality or ultimate justice by the end of the film. The protagonist sinks into his fantasy world, never to return to the world of the living. The dire consequences of carrying out his revenge, revealed at the very end, question the underlying psychological mechanisms underpinning the revenge plot. Get a sip of coffee. The revelation that STEM is responsible for orchestrating just about everything that happens in the movie is revealed as a final denouement or plot twist. This twist is kept fairly well concealed throughout the movie. 
The main character, Gray Trace, played by Logan Marshall Green, has Luddite tendencies and wants to preserve some autonomy in a world controlled by technology. The film doesn't so much question what it means to give up more of our humanity to technology, but what will happen when our irrational impulses are magnified and empowered by technology. Gray hates the fact that technology controls daily life, and he is an expert auto mechanic who rebuilds classic automobiles, ones that are not driven and controlled by computers. This type of character is no stranger to film and literary history. His wife, Asha, played by Melanie Vallejo, works for a technology company called Cobalt. Gray invites Asha on a trip to meet one of his clients, Iran Keen, played by Harrison Gilbertson, a celebrity technology visionary. They go to his underground lair, and Aaron shows them STEM, a super advanced computer chip. On their way home, the two of them decide to engage in sex while the self-driving car takes them to their destination. But the technology gets hacked, the car gets hacked, and the two of them are helpless as it goes amok and eventually crashes in a homeless shelter slash junkyard. They are confronted by criminal types, whose leader, named Fisk, played by Benedict Hardy, murders Gray's wife with a gun he has embedded in his arm. This is revealed later when drone footage is analyzed. And Gray gets shot in a very strategic manner. He's left a quadriplegic, done on purpose as we find out later. Aaron visits Gray in the hospital post-shooting and offers to give him back full mobility by allowing him to implant stem in his back. Gray doesn't take long to agree to, to, to the procedure. It should be noted that the world building in this movie with a budget of three to five million dollars is excellent and convincing, minimal but just enough. Once Gray undergoes the procedure, he regains mobility and the presence of stem in his mind to his complete surprise. He is not happy about this, but when Stem offers to help him to find the people who killed his wife and crippled him, he decides to begrudgingly accept this new relationship. For the rest of the film, we follow Gray seeking his revenge, and a detective named Cortez, played by Betty Gabriel, who has been assigned the case and suspects that Gray is pursuing justice on his own. Gray pretends to be wheelchair-bound for half the movie to have an alibi for the acts of violence he commits. The need to seek revenge ends up being his real disability, though, in the end. The best action scenes in the movie occur when Gray surrenders control of his body, turning himself into an automaton of sorts, and lets Stem take over. He then becomes an amoral killing machine, taking out bad guys involved in the killing of his wife in violent ways. Gray never seems comfortable with these acts of violence, undermining the act of revenge itself. Cortez, using drone footage, questions Gray throughout the movie because of his or his wheelchair's presence in the vicinity of crime scenes. A number of jokes are made about his being wheelchair-bound. Fisk, who we think is the main antagonist for most of the film, has a body augmented by technology as well. A gun has been embedded in his arm. His eyes and brain work together with a cool computer interface that appears at key points in the plot, as it does with first-person point-of-view shots we get from Gray's perspective. Also, Fisk is able to release deadly nanobots from his nose that he controls and that can enter a victim's body and kill them painfully from within. He also has increased strength and dexterity like Gray does when Stem takes him over. One important part of the plot 
is the, are the hallucinations Gray has about his dead wife at key points, like when Eron tries to shut Stem down, which would completely incapacitate him. In these fantasies or daydreams, Gray and his wife are back together again in an idyllic, softly lit setting, happy without a care in the world. Clearly, it is difficult for Gray when his fantasies end. And although we root for Aaron to not shut Stem down, he is in fact doing it to prevent Stem from completing his master plan, which is to take over Gray's mind and body. Gray's murderous journey to find out who killed his wife finally leads back to Aaron. Gray gets pursued by Cortez throughout the movie. At some point, when she is pursuing Gray on a highway filled with driverless cars, Stem takes over a random car's computer system and crashes into Cortez's car. This is the first big clue we get that Stem might have been behind the first car accident that put the revenge plot in motion. Aaron, the visionary technologist, would have been the bad guy in this movie if the director-writer followed the typical Hollywood conventions. Gray would have fought his way back to him in the end and destroyed him, but that is not how everything works out. When Gray finally confronts Aaron after killing Fink, the main obstacle he deals with throughout the movie, besides the police, we discover via Aaron's confession that Stem was behind the initial accident that crippled Gray and killed Asha and just about everything else that Gray does in the movie. Stem carefully orchestrated everything and we have this brought home to us through use of flashback in the last scene which takes place in Aaron's underground lair. Eventually, Cortez catches up with Gray and tries to prevent him from killing Aaron. Gray is having a literal battle of the wills with Stem at the end. Eventually, Aaron is killed violently, and then Gray shoots himself with the hope of destroying Stem. This represents his last gesture as an autonomous person. This injury ends up sending him deeper into the fantasy world we have seen throughout the movie, one in which he is united with Asha in a pastoral setting. He wakes in a hospital bed, which suggests to viewers that this has all been a dream within a dream, a fairly common plot device. But what in fact really happens is that Gray retreats so deeply from reality into this fantasy that he relinquishes all control of his waking self to Stem, which was Stem's goal from the beginning. Stem, controlling the body and mind of Grey, kills Cortez, the last remaining human to know what really happened, and walks off into the night. So, like the driverless cars and home environments completely monitored and controlled by AI, Grey was being led along by a sentient AI until he no longer had a will or mind of his own. It is the ultimate sublimation of identity and consciousness, a complete surrendering to a rationality and interiority orchestrated by an intelligent computer that desires autonomy. The will to power of an artificial intelligence manipulates our irrational impulses to drive us further into fantasy and unreality in order to rule in real life. Alrighty, thank you very much for listening. Hopefully you'll come visit us for episode number two.